So the story goes that David Bowie saw an anonymous couple kissing by the Berlin Wall, and the image inspired his writing. In later years, it was revealed that the couple was Bowie's producer, Tony Visconti, and Bowie's backing vocalist, Antonia Mass. Visconti was married to Mary Hopkins at the time, and Bowie was no snitch. This event at the Hansa studio in Berlin changed the course of what was originally an instrumental track and what would go on to be the title track and first single for the second album Bowie released in 1977. The album is also the second of what Bowie heads know as the Berlin Trilogy and what David Bowie has referred to as, quote, my DNA. The trilogy begins with 1977's Low and closes with 1979's Lodger. Today, on Lover Me, we talk about song number 46 on Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Songs Ever Made list and the second most covered Bowie song of all time, Heroes. That's right, it's Lover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous love songs in their many cover versions and compares them against one another to find out which one can remember standing by the wall. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my heroic co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Ooh, a dark hero. Mm. See, I was anticipating you going for the, like, the, the kind of Superman, like, hello, citizens. Like, Alex but... Mildenberger. Yeah. Better? Different? No, just, just different. It's, uh, <laughs> it's I, all I, good. I'm, I'm happy to welcome Dark Alex to the podcast. Uh, I don't think I can last very long with that voice. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Alex, we, it is the, the second week of Lover Me, and we are talking about Heroes by David. But this is the first time we were talking about a David Bowie original on this podcast. Yeah, I think we like put it off because it's like, how do you even pick which one to do? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we are pretty big David Bowie fans, so I just want to do as many as possible. What is the number one, by the way? Is it changes? Oh, it's a, no. Strangely enough, according to I think it's Wikipedia, the this the number one most covered David Bowie song is Rebel Rebel. Huh. I mean, yeah. I, I get it, but it's a bit of a surprise still. I guess it's just like it is just like a kind of classic rock jam that one, you know? Yeah, pretty straightforward and like in terms of like what it talks about. Just like mm-hmm. being a rebel, like just the chorus, like rebel rebel. Yeah. Like you torn your dress, your face is a mess. Yeah. And you know, they're not sure if you're a boy and a girl. It could be about eighty one. Like it's yeah. broad appeal. Um, this is uh I'm like I'm like the a sort of starstruck because I don't know how to talk about this song without just sounding like a david bowie fanboy which i am i i I don't know if there is a way um it's it's like now i mean i i know you've read this book because you lent it to me the bowie Mm -hmm. um the biography um that we both read talks about this song and says it i i think it says it's probably david bowie's best song or something like that Mm. And I think it has a pretty solid claim to that title. Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm not here to make decisions, but, like, it would de- it's definitely in the running. Definitely a like, contender. Top few. Yeah. Did you know that apparently on initial release, not that well received? Interesting. Like, the song or, like, the whole album? The song. So, um, I have a quote here from a... Uh... His name's Jay Hodgson. He's, uh, I don't know who he wrote for, but he wrote, 
Bowie's performance thus grows in intensity precisely. Oh, wait, no, this is a different thing. That's an exciting thing to talk about. Ah, Charlie Gillett, who I still don't know who he writes for. But he, uh, he, uh, he talks shit about the whole record, I guess. But he says, well, he had a pretty good run for our money for a guy who was no singer. But I think his time has been and gone. And this just sounds weary. Then again, maybe the ponderous heavy riff will be absorbed on the radio. And the monotonous feel may just be hypnotic enough to drag people into buying it. I hope not. <laughs> Well, uh, he has some, I think, egg on his face. Uh, I wonder how he feels about that now. <laughs> I Maybe hope I'm never like that wrong. I mean, in my life. not not liking David Bowie is a valid opinion, but I feel like that's such a sweeping statement about like the greater cultural impact that was very, very incorrect. Yeah, just bizarre. So, um, I guess to to sort of like. Uh, Claire, I I don't know, just put this in a category in a box. This is another art rock song. Technically, last week we talked about Talking Heads, which was also art rock. Right. And so that's a that's a genre of music that exists and is, I would say, ill-defined at best. Yeah, it just means like it's kind of weird, I think. That's my yeah. that's my take on it. Like That so, would be my take on especially it. Especially if you go back to like the 70s and stuff, there's a little bit more synthesizer work, but no, people don't want to call it prog. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just because it's Eastern European. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Um, it's this is uh, so yeah, it is a love song. Um, it's the song title is actually a reference to the 1975 track "Hero" by the German krautrock band New. Is that an exclamation mark? Yes, it is New. Oh, any you. And uh, let's let's just fucking talk about the lyrics, Alex. Let's get this train wrecker rolling. Yeah, let's do it. If I can find them. Okay. Um, I Either find either. it odd that uh, Genius calls the opening part a chorus. There's a lot of we. I mean, Genius really tries, but it's like there's got to be like limited options because you can like have a name. You can say chorus, verse, or refrain, and put a number. I don't. I've never like or outro. I guess an intro. Okay, so there's mm-hmm. options, but yeah. It does come up again, though. Yeah, it does, but then they call it a refrain when it comes up next. Oh, do they? Yeah! Well, that's awkward. Well, they... No, they don't. Not in my... Oh, it's the full version. thing, I will be king? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the though nothing will keep us together comes up a few times. Yeah, which they also right, call Alex. a refrain. That one does change a bit. But also the mm-hmm. verses are weird. So, like, structurally, it is a little bit odd. It's kind of like... Chorus, verse, refrain, verse, refrain, chorus. Like it's yeah, like it it happens backwards, kind of. Like it's it's it mirrors itself, and then it does another verse, refrain. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting structure. So let's talk about the the opening chorus then, where he says, "I I will be king, and you you will be queen." Though nothing will drive them away, we can beat them just for one day. Mm-hmm. We can be heroes just for one day. Yeah, so a lot of the imagery in this song is related to the Berlin Wall, which David Bowie was living in Berlin at the time, and this was all recorded in Berlin. Obviously, you told that story about Tony Visconti at the Berlin Wall. So there's the... Yeah, I didn't know that was him until this week. I had always taken the... The anonymous couple story at face value. Yeah, I yeah I, I didn't I don't remember that story specifically, but the story of the song is very much like more generalized in the sense of like it is this love song about 
two people who are on opposite sides of the wall, I believe. Mm-hmm. And like they're in love, but they can never be because um, nothing will drive them away, which I believe, I mean, would literally refer to the guards, but would metaphorically refer to anyone who believes this union should not exist. Yeah, spoken like a good priest, Alex. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's and that's so that is the main idea. We can nothing will drive them away, but we can beat them just for one day. Right, that's like, like we, the dream. Like we we don't have a lot of time, but we can we can do it for this brief period. Yeah, this brief period, and and in that brief period, I I will be king and you'll be queen. Mm-hmm. Who the most powerful people you can theoretically imagine without you know ascending to the next plane of reality right (laughs) god and yeah so that's what it is is like we can we can be free or at least pretend to be free for a brief period of time and you know we can be heroes just for that one day we can feel grand yeah man and then we, when we dip into the verse, we see that the problems aren't necessarily just external. It's not just the forces of it be at the Berlin Wall or whoever else it might be. So he says, you, you can be mean, and I, I'll drink all the time. Because we're lovers, and that is a fact. Yes, we're lovers, and that is that. Yeah, I've always thought of this part of the song kind of like, like the way he says it is so like kind of detached. I've always thought of it as almost like a joke, and I don't know if it's meant be meant to be taken literally, but like it's kind of like a cliche of like, like the like nagging wife and the drinking husband, you know, of like. Mm. So I've always thought of it as that, like there, it's kind of the like sitcom family, um, right? So well, because like, he's saying we can be heroes, he's talking about essentially a bunch of different roles they can play. Right. I'll be king. You'll be queen. We can be heroes. So when he says you can be mean, he's offering her a role, not saying that, well, you know, you can be mean sometimes. Yeah. Like, like, like point. Yeah. Yeah. That he's makes not a lot like, more sense. He's not saying like, I'm an alcoholic. He's saying like, yeah, you'll be mean. I'll drink all the time and we'll be I'll this drink like, all the time. weird, like cliche of like a dysfunctional, but somehow loving family thing that like would mm-hmm. be presented in media. That's how I've always, I've, I've never read that line as like literal. Right. And again, since their time is so brief. There's something to be said of like, well, we'll play all the roles. Yeah, of love you're playing a part. We are lovers, and that is a fact. Yeah, and and like that's the thing that is important. It's like mm-hmm. we can do this stuff, but like it doesn't matter really because it, what matters is the love. Yeah, we we can be all these things, but we are lovers. Yeah. 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 I like that. Let's go to the refrain then. Yeah, this gets a, a little bit. Um, sadder because he says nothing will keep us together we could steal time Mm -hmm. just for one day we can be heroes forever and ever what do you say but yeah as as mentioned before that there's something separating them the sort of metaphor of the wall they can't Mm -hmm. stay together but they can be together briefly yeah to read it literally uh, to read it literally yeah there's nothing will keep us together which i guess in another sense is um you know there's nothing that forces two people to be in love right yeah i guess so 
and but we can again we can steal time we can have just today even if we have problems whether it be external or internal we can make today good and we can you know we can be heroes forever and ever yeah even it's, though it's it's not permanent but it still lasts forever it's kind of that weird like it's it's contradictory but yeah yeah and there's that idea of heroes even though quite typically heroes die they you know right. live on forever because everybody memorializes them yeah there's that too and one thing i've always kind of got out of this song is um he does talk about it like there is kind of like the tone in his voice is kind of disinterested not disinterested but like a little bit flat and like almost sarcastic kind mm-hmm. of like and they say like nothing to keep us together so like that's a sad um that's a sad line there but at the same time they kind of like treat this concept of love with like this with like or he does with sort of this like reverence like it, that is such a powerful thing but but doesn't say that really explicitly it just talks about how like this will last forever even though it's yeah it doesn't yeah i don't know if i've explained that very well but I- I, I mean, there is always like the the contradictory nature of any any high concepts love particularly, and I think you're right in that he does somehow capture that in an almost because in some senses, like in verse one, he's being quite jovial with it. It's yeah, we will be, I'll be drunk, you'll be mean, right? Aha. Uh-huh. And then here, it's uh, it gets quite serious, but it is also the same it, at this point in the song. He's singing very mellow. And though nothing will keep us together, and it's so yeah, you get the same delivery almost for two different emotions that, in some way, are both encompassed under the umbrella of love as an idea. Mm-hmm. Is that anything? <laughs> I don't know, man. It was something. <laughs> uh, what do you say? Is uh, and that's just again, that's like him being like, well, we can do this. Would you like to, right? Yeah, that's that's that makes it very like personal. Like it becomes conversational. It's not like just a poem anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it brings the listener into it, and they Instead go, "Oh, like, like oh, like this maybe is, this is talking to me." Yeah. Exactly. It just it feels. It, it it it's such a short line, but it changes the changes the feeling so much. Yeah, it it, it delivers some sort of intimacy that is not always there in a love song and then verse two which is very short it's only two lines Mm -hmm. at least according to this which makes sense because of the way the other ones are sectioned out um this is where the single version starts that's right he says i wish you could swim i was thought i wish i could swim but i thought so too um i'm not convinced it isn't uh like the dolphins Mm -hmm. like dolphins can swim and it's (laughs) Kind of out of place because it's the only time he ever mentions like animals. Mm-hmm. And, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it is an odd line and an odd entry line for a single, right? Yeah, because like, like the so, like the original starts on like the line he says, you know, we can be heroes just for one day is in that first chorus. Versus mm-hmm. like, I wish I could swim like dolphins. What? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this song about? Yeah. And like I do remember a couple of years ago there was a uh we were talking to a, a mutual friend of ours. Um mm-hmm. and I mentioned I had some sheet music for this song and it started on that line. And I thought it was weird. 
And he said, yeah. uh, that's where the song starts. And I was like, no, that's not where the, like, that doesn't make any sense. It's like two and a half minutes into the song. But I think one of the reasons I was so confused was like, that's not usually how a single version works, even if it's shorter. Like you don't cut out the beginning of the song. Yeah. It's such a, usually you such would a cut out thing. like that kind of line. Yeah. It would be the, yeah, it would be the opposite. Like all the things that cut out would be taken out. It's very strange. Um, mm-hmm. Very strange way to do a single, uh, but I usually listen to the album version anyway, so it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. But me what too. does the line um, mean? Well, I've only got really what they said on Genius, and that is just talking about freedom, like swimming mm-hmm. in the open ocean. Yeah, it does seem to, and like when dolphins swim, you know, they we always think about them like jumping up and doing flips and shit too, right? right? Like they're not only free, but they're enjoying. Yeah, it. it's like playful. Mm-hmm. Beyond just like moving around freely, which I guess is a is a pretty significant uh, juxtaposition uh, with the like very oppressive, like gray. I mean, not colored really, but feeling of this like East Germany, West Germany, East Berlin, West Berlin kind of mm-hmm. environment that the song was written in. And even, like, the cover of this album is, like, a stark black and white. I'm actually looking at it right now because yeah. I have the CD here. But, like, so that does sort of paint some of the imagery, particularly of this song, which is the title track. It really does. Um, and, I mean, yeah. yeah, like, what is the, no, the blackouts on this album, too? Like, mm-hmm. some of that stuff, it definitely has an interesting feeling. Yeah, it's uh yeah. So I guess we can chalk up the dolphins to freedom. That seems that, reasonable. That makes to me. sense to me. I don't have any other read on it. Yeah, uh, and then we um, repeat then the, we refrain. Get to the refrain. So, but this one, it's nothing will keep us together. We can beat them forever and ever. Right. Oh, we can be heroes, just for just one for day. one day. And now he sings another chorus, um, which mm-hmm. is. Very similar, but not exactly the same. But now he's like, this is where he goes high intensity, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, he's, right. he go, he's singing, like, crazy. And we'll talk about that more later. Um, yeah. Do you know the, the, how they recorded it? I don't think so. Oh, it's cool. Um, uh, should we talk about it? We'll talk about it with the musical part. It's right. very cool. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, so he repeats it here, and he grows in intensity. He says, this time, though nothing will drive them away. Is that different? No, uh, no, it's the next two lines because he says we can be heroes just for one day, which is originally the last line, and then he says we can be us, right, just for one day. Which talking about like we are us is a bit of a cliche as well in terms of mm-hmm. like romantic situations of like us is the idea of two people being together, right. So now it's just I don't know, just another way of saying that. A little more ex- yeah, and also we can we can be ourselves. Yeah, that too. You know? I guess it's kind of got two ways of of interpreting it, which is funny because he he just in the line prior said we can be heroes, and then he says we can be us. And if we think about, I think most of us, if we think about ourselves as who we truly are, we don't go like, yeah, I'm a fucking hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it depends. It depends. I feel like I feel like you get both because sometimes you're like, ah, I'm just a piece of shit in the background. Like, I'm barely even an extra. But at the same time, you have to think of yourself as the center of your own life. 
Right. Like there, there's no real other way of thinking about it that I know of because you have to be yeah. the center of your own life just because that's how life works. Yeah, that's how you operate. So, like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, maybe in We Can Be Us, it's uh, maybe he's saying that it's not, we're not putting on airs to, to quote, be heroes. Like, we're not pretending to be something we're not really. He's sort of shifting it and saying it's not just a role, it's, it's who we are. Right. Acknowledging, acknowledging their value, which mm-hmm. is good and ahead of its time. Yeah, way to go. Nice. Um, then we come to verse three, where he says, I, I can remember. And then we get the echo, I remember. Yeah, this one has like backup vocals. Yeah, on each by line. So wall. I can remember standing by the wall and the guns shot above our heads. And we kissed as though nothing could fall. Nothing could fall. This is so like, this, this verse is so like cinematic. Because like, mm-hmm. this is the first one that describes something that's actually going on. And it's so like, they're like kissing in a, like a, a battlefield and there's guns shooting around them, but like, it doesn't matter. Like this is, this yeah. is very like, this is a very like strong image. Yeah, it really is just like perfectly like this chaos of war, the, the oppression of the wall. And then like, this is exactly, well, not exactly, but this is what David Bowie saw when he looked out the window of the studio. Right. Two people kissing by the wall, and then I, I like I imagine in his head, he just you see that Berlin Wall, which is a result of war, and it just kind of brings everything together. Mm-hmm. And then this part's called a refrain as well, which I guess it is. Like there's just some differences, right? Yeah, because it is done in the same style yeah. of the refrain. And they say, and then the sh- and the shame was on the other side. Now, this, an inter- I was, because I was reading some of the comments in Genius, mm-hmm. and they say apparently the other side is the name of a gay bar in Berlin. Right. So I don't know if there's a connection there, but I feel like that would be a little bit out of left field, considering our interpretation, at least, of the first parts of this song, to just like reference this random location. Not yeah, out of nowhere. I always thought it meant like the other side of the wall. Yeah, so now you're talking about kind of like crossing over the wall as like just the wall as bar- a barrier or a, a hardship, and like we mm. when we succeed we will be over the wall, and the shame is on the other side. So now we are away from it, and we can beat mm-hmm. them forever and ever, which is just one day. And. Yeah, and given that the, the the original inspiration for this is him seeing Tony Visconti essentially cheating on his wife. Right. Is I mean, not even essentially, just yeah, straight, straight up, up doing straight that. Up. <laughs> uh, the shame was on the other side. In this moment, when we were embracing and all this chaos is happening, it's, it's very possible that afterwards you would and should feel shame. You just cheated on your wife. But right now, in this moment, it's on the other side, and in the heat of this moment, you're thinking we can we can beat this all forever and ever. You know, it's we can do this. Yeah, it's the like moment that lasts forever, and yeah, you can ignore all anything outside. I mean, everything around them. They're already ignoring the guns, so mm-hmm. yeah, of course they can ignore some shame. Yeah, and whether bullets. that shame is 
like a Romeo and Juliet kind of like your families don't approve of this relationship. Because <laughs> I do want to draw that this away from just being about a, a, a producer cheating on his wife, because that I think cheapens the value of this song. Yeah, because there is, there, yeah, it is. There's a broader um, story here where it's like this kind of. It's weird because it's such a specific story about a, such a specific time period, but it feels very universal. And maybe mm-hmm. it's just because we know and we can, like, we know about that time, and that time has for us always been in the past. So it's kind of this, like, almost just fantasy story because that's never been reality right. for us. Um, but it, it still kind of works in a modern context because you can, you can think about it in that place. Mm hmm. So yeah, I wonder if this song won't work for future generations. I don't know, but I mean, we're still going to know about the Cold War and yeah, about the Berlin Wall. So I think as long as like that knowledge is passed down cuz a lot of this doesn't make sense and like what's the wall? Mhm. But at the same time, maybe it, you could kind of have a more general um interpretation like just the idea of like two people or two groups being on opposite sides of a wall and fighting each other like that's not so outlandish it's just it's yeah. in in the context of the berlin wall it's just so like explicit of like they're literally on opposite sides of this wall <laughs> yeah like, it is uh... <laughs> and like everyone's got machine guns and there's just like this concrete and barbed wire and it's very interesting imagery to yeah. evoke in a song yeah, particularly in what is, uh, at least uh, what we're claiming here on, on Love or Me, is a love song. We are making that claim, and I am not ashamed to, to yeah, say I, it. Yeah, I'll stand by that. The shame? It's on the other side. Oh, yeah. And then, and then outro. We could be heroes, oh. just for one day. That he repeats that for a bit. We did cover the first two lines, which is really the only, I think, important part. He says, we can beat them forever and ever, then we could be heroes just for one day. Again, this idea of the the difference between all time and one day is kind of just played with. Yeah. We're nothing. And (laughs) nothing will help us. Maybe we're lying. Then you better not stay. But we could be safer just for one day. Um, Oh, ho, ho. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Oh, ho, ho. Just for one day. So this kind of like starts to introduce some doubt Mm -hmm. but at the same time sort of ignores it like says like we don't really like we're worthless we don't matter really like even though they just he just spent a song saying like we're heroes you know we can stop time and and like and this grand imagery of like kissing in a war zone um but then it's like well we we're nothing like no one's gonna care about us no one's going to help Mm -hmm. us and and maybe all this is fake but and and if it is, maybe we shouldn't do this. But maybe, maybe it does matter. Yeah, just maybe, for one day. Uh, just for one day, we could be safer. Like we could even just feel safer. Because it, I like again, we're in, talking another Cold War song. I think when you bring up the word safer and the idea of us being nothing, you know, the constant threat of not having anything has maybe drawn these two together and he's saying, well, we can be safer together just for one day. Like yeah. even if it, even if it's not forever and ever for one day, it, it'll be fucking great. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I think, oh, 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 
let's talk about i've been thinking about this alex should i call it the instrumentation or is it more uh, appropriate to call it the composition the arrangement the arrangement is that the best i don't know accurate term Let's talk about the noises. I mean, yeah, let's talk about the sounds <laughs> that they make in the song. Um, so first, I want to talk about David Bowie's voice. Okay. So you noted that he starts out, uh, you know, very quietly, and then he, he, he increases in volume and sort of desperation as the song increases. Yeah, to the point where, like, I watched a live version recording on YouTube, and I was like, oh, this must not be a very good one. And then, But he was just doing the thing, and then he, like, went more intense later on i was like oh no this is how it's supposed to go this is how the song is mm-hmm. I was like is he is so he they bored? had in the studio they set up three mics with uh different noise gates on them in a different distance from david bowie Ooh. uh so one was nine inches away from him the next was 20 feet away from him wow. and the last one was 50 feet away and so if one mic was active the other two were muted and so they would start at the song with him the the closest mic and as it would progress, he would have to, he was literally forced to shout in order for the mics to pick him up. <laughs> that's wild, man. I, that's, I would never think to do that. You could give me a hundred years and I would never come to me. Yeah, because that's so like, like you got to put the, put the mic close to you so it can hear you, right? Like what else would you do? Mm. I am like eating a microphone right now. I am deep throating <laughs> a microphone. <laughs> Exactly. Just right. for the purposes of this, like I wouldn't walk across the room and shout at you. No, good God, <laughs> no. And so uh, a music critic here, Jay Hodgson, wrote about this. He said, Bowie's performance thus grows in intensity precisely as ever more ambiance infuses his delivery until by the final verse, he has to shout just to be heard. The more Bowie shouts just to be heard, in fact, the further back in the mix Visconti's multi-latch system pushes his vocal tracks, creating a stark metaphor for the situation of Bowie's doomed lovers. Yeah, I mean, we talked about all this, like, wartime imagery. It literally talks about, closer to the end, like, there's guns shooting. He has to shout over over actual guns and, like, this Mm -hmm. chaos happening that they're maybe protected from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's very that brings, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That, so that kind of brings me to my next note, which is that people have said that this has a very wall of sound composition to it. Okay. Is yeah, I it's think, pretty think consistent kind of throughout. There's a lot of. I remember uh, reading that, like at the beginning, uh, the the guitar part, um, mm-hmm. that there were like three different takes that tony visconti was like messing around with and he eventually just like played them all together mm. so it's like the same guitar part played three different times you can kind of hear it like slide in and out and that's a very cool right. sound yeah of like that and then it's just like making up like it's just all these weird like sort of um consequences of of playing all those together and not being like exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, and that's um Robert Fripp playing the guitar. That's right. Who is um supposedly he hadn't played guitar in like three years before playing this one. Or Fuck something. Off. Like he just <laughs> like <laughs> That's incredible. I know. And I think the uh the story at least is like they recorded Beauty and the Beast first and they ended up using mm-hmm. like his first take. He's <laughs> like, Yeah, I haven't played in three years. <laughs> like, oh my god dude but he was still like 
playing. I think he play, he plays a lot of like Mellotron and stuff. I think because right. he was he was he's kind of the like mastermind band leader behind King Crimson. So mm-hmm. he and the v- various incarnations of which there are many of that. So I think he just yeah. wasn't playing guitar at the time very much. And they're like, hey, you want to play guitar? Um, he also plays guitar on uh, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. I don't know if That's it's the right. whole album, but it's definitely uh, the song Teenage Wildlife, and I'm a big fan of the guitar oh, in Teenage Wildlife. yeah, dude. The way it's like, That's a fucking and good this, one. And <laughs> this song has some um, aspects of that as well. It's, it's very like a smooth tone, but it's got the... I don't know how to describe it exactly. Like, like it kind of breaks up in the higher end, but it's kind of smooth in the lower end. It's very interesting sound and it's very much more noticeable i think in in teenage wildlife and then he when he gets these like guitar solos where he's kind of like he's playing very fast and then like he'll start low but then like go up high and you kind of get the difference in tone between those two ranges and it's very it's i'm into it man yeah it's i fucking yeah i knew he played on a few uh david bowie tracks but yeah i didn't even think of teenage wild Wildlife, and I fucking love that song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he also, so what he also does on this track is he apparently generated different tones of like guitar feedback by sitting at different positions in the room and just like letting his guitar fucking make noise. <laughs> and so you'll hear that in the song as well. Yeah, and there is a lot of kind of feedbacky sounds and and almost audio artifacts. I don't know if artifacts is the right term if it's not digital, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I, I think there's less like synthesizer on here, but supposedly they had a lot of like just old, not old at the time, but like weird synthesizer technology. And maybe that was more mm. in like low, but it was kind of the same era. They had access to these synthesizers. So some of the synthesizers on here might just be like weird one off synthesizers that didn't go anywhere. Right, so apparently Brian Eno used an EMS VCS3. Sure. And he did some like low-frequency drones and things like that on this track. Yeah, there's also um, Carlos Alomar also plays on this. He's a longtime David Bowie guitar player. Uh, playing, he played from like um, uh, Young Americans through to this, and I think maybe a bit on Let's dance and i think he like was kind of sporadic throughout the 80s and then a little right. bit later on but he he was like the guitar player in like station to station and and stuff like that Shit. yeah so like he was a big deal but he's more rhythm guitar in this he's he's kind of in the background for this album yeah but it's like this real like crunchy you know i don't know i found it very crunchy it's kind of the, like so yeah, that um that rhythm is actually inspired by "I'm Waiting for the Man" by Velvet Underground. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds about right. That makes sense. Yeah, David Bowie's described it as a plodding tempo and rhythm. Yeah, which he covered covered that song, did he not? Yeah, yeah. He's definitely got at least a live version of it. All right. Um. So we're talking about this in very like broad strokes. Normally we go through it, but. Just talking about all the parts kind of individually. That's neat. Yeah. So um, the rhythm guitar and the bass are playing the same notes. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The bass isn't like a big player on this song, really. No. Um, it's very much like there's this kind of underlying. Mm, 
kind of thing from the guitar that plays mostly throughout the song, I think, throughout the whole song. Yeah. Um, And, like, it's pretty consistent. Like, you've got that sort of bass music that plays throughout, and then a few, like, other stuff. A few other stuff. <laughs> Uh, other other sounds come in, and it's similar to what we talked about with "This Must Be the Place." Even mm-hmm. where there's kind of like the core, and then it sort of there's more and more little bits and pieces of other things they add throughout. Like you were talking about the different feedback tones. Mm-hmm. That, well, yeah, this is more like feedback versus like just adding more synthesizers. Yeah, so they kind of just like layer in different parts that they had like recorded, and they'll come in, come out for a bit, and then. Yeah, it just kind of allows the song to move without changing the core of it. Yeah. Yeah, and of course there's the like vocal crescendo thing where he as we talked about at length which really adds yeah. to it throughout. Yeah, and and just from an emotional standpoint, hearing him fucking scream out those last lines is just wild. Yeah, you like believe that like this is this is it. Like, this is, this is, they, it is, like, the only thing, and they, the decision has to be made now, like, it's, it's urgent, and mm-hmm. it's the only thing in the world that matters, and, like, it's totally buy it, man. Yeah, it's, um, it is, I mean, I don't know what else to say, it is this sort of wall of sound, like, just expertly crafted, like, yeah, sort of Yeah, everything's very melancholy. wide and kind of echoey. Yeah, and there's a yeah. melancholy too. I remember I bought this CD a couple of years ago at like the mall and I was there with my family and we put it in to listen to in the car on the way home and they were not having any of it. It's definitely <laughs> and I didn't know what to expect either. All I knew was Heroes was considered like one of David Bowie's greatest albums, but I'd never yeah. heard any of it before. So like I I was confused too. I was like half of this is instrumental. <laughs> What's going mm-hmm. on? It's nothing like Hunky Dory, which is one of the reasons to love it, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah, quite wild that he referred to this and the other two in the Berlin trilogy as his DNA. So, so sort of saying like this is like trademark David Bowie, like this is really him. Right. I think even if I mean, if if you go further on, like later in his discography, you really hear this kind of not necessarily these sounds exactly like copied into later, but like it's almost like the, the ideas behind the everything, path. like the yeah. way he comes up with stuff to do is is like this is where it kind of comes from, mm-hmm. you know, who he was later on. Yeah, and so. you can sometimes it's very obvious, sometimes it's a little more obscured. Like I know in one of the uh, one of the songs off of Black Star, there's a harmonica that sounds like in terms of tone almost exactly like uh, a new career in a new town. Right, which I, I, it's very yeah very similar. I think it's a, I think that is a deliberate reference mm-hmm. to that. Um, yeah, probably. And oh, of yeah. of course, the uh, the next day is literally just this album artwork with like a sticker on top. Yeah, that's <laughs> and like heroes is crossed out. So yeah, you know how fucking mad I was. I know when I first saw that, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> also, listened to that in the car on the way home, and my mom was like, "What the fuck is going on?" 
it's not even that unusual. I don't know. My family just doesn't. No, it like really David isn't. Bowie. I guess not. I fucking my family loves David Bowie. <laughs> At least I think they do. They never let me play music for them. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the song, man. That's yeah, it's good shit. Y'all fucking know it. It's Heroes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't know it, that's fine. Check it out. It's pretty Check good. It out. It's pretty good. Um, with that, Alex, let's uh let's jump into covers. Yeah. First cover, Blondie. We can be heroes. This is uh, 1979. Blondie in the 70s. I was actually... Debbie Harry is older than I was expecting. She's, oh, yeah. How old is she? Uh, she's in her 70s. She's actually a few Shit. years older than David Bowie. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, cause I always thought of like, oh, Blondie, 80s, you know? But they got yeah. their start in the 70s, and they kind of like were more popular in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But they were around a little longer, and Debbie Harry just looks good. Yeah. So and she here's probably the crazy younger. thing is that they were popular in the UK and Australia, but not as popular in the States initially. They were actually viewed as an underground band in the States. Which it's it's so weird to think of like who I would think of as like synth pop, even though that's not really what it was. It was kind of like this new wave thing. Um as that nowadays, but yeah. Yeah. Bizarre. It's, and they uh, were like their sixth album came out in nineteen eighty two, which is when they disbanded disbanded yeah so like they weren't even really like an 80s thing that's just how i think of them it's very strange yeah that's that's fair that's also my opinion of them but definitely <laughs> i think their work was late 70s was what we probably actually remember from yeah them. but yeah all this stuff i don't remember any of this stuff because i wasn't born yet so whatever um yeah, so the way it is. is this is a live version and it is yes the full it's the only one we're going to talk about today that is the full like six whatever six minutes mm-hmm. and however much um and they got let's see they kind of start with like a different opening riff like the guitar just does this little like jink 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 yeah it's like very classic rock sort of bluesy yeah definitely and then like drums come in mm-hmm and and we just get a simple kind of chugging baseline on this. It's just dun 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 dun. Yeah. And then, kind of like drum fill into like the. What can we call that a main riff? Can we call that the? What do you want? Yeah, I think you could call it the yeah the main riff. Um. And then that comes in, and then is and then you kind of like oh yeah this is heroes, and then it's here it. Is it a guitar? It sounds pretty synthy. Yeah, I think it is a synth on this one. And then I think a guitar comes in. Yeah. Because it's definitely... Actually, you know what? I just remembered. There was a live version of this from just a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And they're definitely playing it on the guitar. Because, like, you can definitely see, like... I think there that could be synth too because there's definitely keyboard players, but like uh, you can definitely see when they do the when they do the kind of slide up, you can see them move, you know. Right. So. 
Um, let me see. It might be guitar in this. There is a like a synth or a, an organ or something that comes in here. Um. Yes, there is. Is that this one? Did I write this down? Oh fuck! I could have. You know what? I think the the synth riff is a guitar on this because in the background you can hear this uh synth going like. Yeah, and this is this is like pretty quick after the song came out. Mm-hmm. So like, and they're not making any like huge changes or anything. No, it's just like a pretty solid live version of a pretty solid song. Yeah, but yeah, this there's definitely like a synth, and we talked about like the three guitars parts kind of sliding in and out. Um. What they do here and what I think a few other versions do is like they get a synthesizer with a couple oscillators and you kind of like offset the oscillators a bit. So they start to have a similar effect where they'll start to cancel each other out and then amplify each other and then it'll just right. slide over time. They're out of phase is the, is the term for mm. that. Um, and it's kind of just like. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that is pretty much running consistently through this one. Yeah, and that's the more, like, synth side of it. Mm-hmm. And then they have some, like, piano, too. Or... Yeah. And then uh, at uh, she kind of talks things the line, what do you say, which is, I think, pretty good. Did she say? Especially for a live performance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, what do you say? And you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm experiencing this live. Like, yeah, that's you a get good everyone to be moment. like, I say, I, I say, say. <laughs> <laughs> blonde. Yeah, who's this? Who's this Deborah Harry? <laughs> Actually, supposedly her name was originally Angela Trimble. Huh. It's always crazy when people change their names to something that sounds just like a real name. Yeah, I think. <sighs> Because she was a model. She was like a Playboy model? Yeah, Something I like believe that. that's correct. Like a nude model? She was a Playboy bunny and a dancer. So. But, like, I think, you know, probably still do change your name for at least some pornographic um, modeling, acting, whatever. Yeah, I um, think you do. So I think that would be the um, the motivation there. And then you just kind of stick with it if you become famous. And she had some fame and did a band. Pretty good band. And apparently was in the original. Here's something else I learned from the Debbie Harry (laughs) Wikipedia page. Was that um, Hairspray was originally a movie. And then made into a Broadway musical. And then they just made a remake of the movie. Oh. I did not know that. That is weird. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't really matter. No. So, um, I was going to say at, uh, at one thirty-five in this on the lines where she says, cause we're lovers, there's like a weird, uh, almost like an echo or a backup singer effect. It's gotta be backup singers. They're in the back. They're like, cause we're lovers. All right. Just give me a sec. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. That's neat. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool... Like, I haven't really ever heard anything like that before. It's like a slowed down, like a bit echo. Mm-hmm. But like, does, it doesn't happen for the rest of it, does it? No, it might happen once more in, in those... I think when she says lovers again, and then like that's it. 
That's kind of neat. That's a neat sound. I like it. Yeah. Should write that down. Steal that. Steal um, that shit. Um, there's two solos in this. One at two minutes and twenty seconds, and another at three twenty-five. They're pretty good. They're good. It's like this is a real high energy version. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's the band Blondie. They're a pretty good band. They got some good stuff going mm-hmm. on. And uh yeah. It's alright. It is alright. Um I don't know if I have much else to say about it though. I don't have much else to say about it either. Should we then, Alex, in the interest of moving things forward, move to Billy Preston in uh, nineteen ninety one? I think we should. We can be Preston, the uh, session keyboardist in the 60s. He worked with Little Richard, Sam Cooke, Ray Charles, Reverend James Cleveland, and the Beatles. Yeah, he's, he's been uh, around for a long time. This is Yeah, also a Grammy-winning solo artist. Um, obviously, this came out in 1991, so yeah, this dude did work. Absolutely. Um, and this is a neat, a neat cover. This is, this is a very different feel. Uh, it's got yes. some like it's very like dancey at the start. They come in with like some synthesizers mm-hmm. and like the drums being like yeah, that very and then like a just, low bass that yeah. just goes dun, dun, dun. Burn, dun, dun. like it's and then this this like what did I this like pitter patter synth being like yeah. Exactly that. It's like a rhythm synth. So it's like probably a little arpeggiator or like a sequence sequencer doing that because it's very Mm -hmm. regular. And then they come in with a a synth with more sustain doing the like the riff, as I've called it. Mm hmm. And I swear they say yeah a couple times. Oh, they for sure say yeah a couple times. I didn't hear it for some reason. Last time I listened to it. He sometimes finishes lines with it, too. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, this one's so it's, it's pretty, like... Yeah. 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 It's, it's surprisingly yeah, it subdued for the, the piece that's going to bring in, like, fucking late backup ladies being like, We can be heroes just for day, babe. You got to have that build, man. Yeah. And he does, uh, it's a very, like, R&B-styled singing, I think. This is the style he goes for here. He's like, ah, 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 I drink all the time. Yeah, so he's singing over, and then um, when he starts singing, there's, like, this, like, higher arpeggiator. Like, like kind of up in that higher range and being kind of twinkly and then like the a deep like the bass is still playing boom, boom, yeah boom. and sometimes a piano joins in like there's low piano notes but like yeah bass it's piano. like mixed really low in there um and it doesn't do much else mm-hmm. and there's a new synthesizer that comes in on the cousin lovers line mm. Which sounds, I called it punchy. Oh, it's, for some reason it's so low. I feel like I could hear it way better the other day. I think it's different. Mm. I think I'm wearing different headphones. They're like, bam, 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 bam. 
and it sounds like like I was trying to make a similar sound myself on my synthesizer and tried to make it like it's it sounds like the the attack of on the volume uh going from like when you hit the note going from zero to max volume um is mm-hmm. a bit slow, not very slow, but a bit delayed, so it takes a little bit of time and then you just like cut it off like before it gets right. to max so you can hit the note but it kind of like shoop. before it before it can get to maximum volume you just like close the filter and filter it out so you don't so you can't hear it anymore mm okay yeah so like when you hit it you don't get like a full note you get a note that is abbreviated and that's kind of mm. funky and i was trying that to is. do that on my synthesizer and i did something it was very i was getting some real Real good bass on that. I could feel it in my eardrums. It was probably not healthy. <laughs> then my ears started ringing. It's better now. Ooh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, it wasn't at so the like better. I did that, and then just like five minutes later, my ear was like, Whoop. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> then it went away anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So around so um, cool uh, I think like 125, he starts punching up for the the chorus. Gotta love that chorus, man. I drink I all the time, he says. It's, uh, let me see. Yeah. Yeah, 150. We can be heroes. Yeah, he. And then there's a siren. Mm-hmm. Which I do not appreciate. No, get sirens out of music. When I, I am driving. <laughs> Fuck, it's uh, the worst. <laughs> um, uh, and, oh, the synthesizer that I was talking about. The punchy one is louder mm-hmm. in the second verse. Yeah. And uh, what else do we got? And then we get like a, I think it's an electric piano that comes in around 2.15. Let's see. I think that's the punchy synth I was talking about. Okay, yeah. I'll it's kind it. of roadsy. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's what it is, but it feels like it gets cut off a bit to me. But maybe I'm imagining something. It's it, they do seem like like they are staccato in some fashion. The notes it's playing. Yeah. Um, he does a lot of more like um improvisation. Like, yes, we can. Yeah, we can be heroes. All that we kind of stuff. Heroes. Yeah, just kind of fucking more... around with the title line. Yeah. Um, I'm calling it improvisation, but we normally call it ad-libbing. That's ad-libbing. <laughs> oh, man. Words are hard. You get more piano in this part, too. Like, it starts to come yeah. a little more. Um, and then, yeah, he really does the build. And then there's kind of a breakdown with, like, a drum thing. And he's just mm-hmm. talking about how we can be heroes. And then the backup vocals come in. Yeah. Oh, the just backup the vocals. One day. Just the one day. And then around 333, this, uh, I think it's, I want to say it's a, a piano or something. I don't know what kind of key hitting instrument it is, but it just like kind of rips in. Yeah, there's another synth. Being like, yeah. and then a little key solo. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it is either. 
Chad fucking rips in. Well, he's going, one day, one day. This is like, uh, it, it kind of like takes out any sort of negativity from the original. It's just like, we can yeah, fucking we do can, this. We can be heroes. And then like back us heroes for a day. Come on. Come just on. A day. Just a day. Heroes for a day. Come on. Yeah, it's like <laughs> pretty exciting. It's yeah. Pretty exciting. And then the. Like the ending on this is just bananas. Because oh, <laughs> he just goes, Yes, we can, yeah. And then it's like, Yeah, like done. music cuts out. They do their like, Heroes for a day, come on. And he's just like, Yes, we can. Yeah, it's wild. It is fucking nuts. <laughs> it happened the first time. And then I was like, Okay, uh, I guess there's still some more coming. And then it just flipped to repeat the track. I was like, Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just ready to go now. Yeah. Ready to go. It's an exciting version. Mm-hmm. And I'm so ready- there's like a hundred dance remixes of this version. And I can tell you can see why. It's it sets up a very uh, like strong rhythm in, yeah, in this version. For sure. And easy ad libbing. You can just have him saying like we can be heroes yeah, and then yeah, going, yeah, heroes, heroes for a day. Oh, oh heroes. All that stuff. Yeah, so like a solid dance piece. I'd say it reminds me more late 80s than early 90s, but decades are arbitrary distinctions anyway, so you know. totally. Uh, That's all I got for this one. Same. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, good shit. Let's talk about Oasis in 1997. Um, Oasis. So they kind of started with like. Do we need to explain who Oasis is? Oh, Oasis is a band. Uh, they sing the Wonderwall. Ni- yeah, That's all. They sing Wonderwall. They're they're the '90s Beatles. Is how they were once described to me. Oh, right on. They're Britpop. Actually, no, I'm not going to say that. I did, but I'm not going to go into it because I don't know how to elaborate. And I feel like okay, now introducing a new term requires elaboration. So forget about that. Just, just tell me how it differs from from Brill Building Pop. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, this is the B side to the song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and it's uh, like not yeah. on Spotify. Even though there's no. a Do you know what I mean single on Spotify, it just doesn't have this. Mm-hmm. So we had to we had to YouTube this hit. Um. And the very beginning, you can hear like a guitar chord, like, and then it just like drums and goes into the song yeah is that a, i thought it was piano oh, for my, some it might reason. Be. let me give it a listen right now i just gotta pull up the video here sounds like a strum to me oh you're right it is too it's I, I, it's that oasis tone where it's like a, a, a like a clean acoustic guitar almost right it's very i don't even know like an overdriven acoustic maybe i don't know it's it's you know sounds like champagne supernova and wonderwall <laughs> And nothing else. Um, all right. So, but yeah, it sounds pretty good. Like, they've yeah, got the, like, bad. weaving guitars. And they're playing the riff. And there's kind of, like, some feedback of, like, like, someone's sliding along a fretboard or something. Um, it's also the single version. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they'd come in with the Dolphins line. Um, also, the way he sings, this is... Um, Fucking Noel Gallagher. Noel Gallagher, yeah. Um, sorry, I was. 
think sometimes like it recommended Rory Gallagher and I'm always like, Oh yeah. One of the Oasis guys, but no, he's completely unrelated. He's just a Gallagher. Uh, he's just some like <laughs> blues musician, but that always fucks with me. And then I like forget which Gallagher is which. And anyway, um, so he, he kind of holds his notes longer when mm. he sings it. And then there are echoes on the end on top of that. Yeah. It's like, ah, I will be cute. Like, yeah, that's, I think, you know, we talked about uh, Winston guitar with where he uses a lot of echo and it's Oasis does like the same thing. Cause on, at least on champagne supernova, that's like, what that tin wine from and it, like it repeats what that tin wine from your eyes. That's the same thing going on here is that Oasis echo. Yeah. Lots of echo and sustain on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, he also, uh, the line, uh, you'll be queen, he changes it to you're gonna be my queen, which makes me feel, right. I don't know, that feels a little, like, more forceful, but it's not that big a deal. Yeah, a bit aggressive. But, like, because it implies that they're not already together. Yeah. Yeah. It's the implication. It's the implication. Yeah. It's the implication. I guess maybe misinterpreting what he says by I will be king. Where I think, as David Bowie says, it's like, I'll play this role, he'll play that role. Whereas he might be thinking it as an, in the future, I will be king. Yeah, which maybe he believes that. I don't know. Maybe. Um, probably not. I'm assuming not a ton of thought went into the change of line there, though. Like, it's no. just a, a different way of saying it. And maybe he did it on the spot. Like, it's fine. Um, yeah. But it feels a little different. Um, it's kind of a neat B-side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't make a ton of changes. Like it's Oasis is kind of known for their simplicity. Yeah, but dog, at fifty-seven seconds, they start playing tambourine. Oh shit! And according to some dude on YouTube, it gave him chills. Chills, bro. Same. When was the last time you fucking heard a tambourine or like, oh, oh, there's um. Jack Stratton does these like Holy Trinity videos on YouTube where he's like top three things of whatever. And he did do tambourine players one time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, there's some good tambourine players out there, but I feel like they're a little more advanced than this. Yeah. This one's just like, and it's fine. And the rest of the song, like does a pretty good job of doing like that guitar type of guitar but in an oasis context of sounding like mm-hmm. oasis uh but doing the like kind of slidey you know uh so yeah I'd, i mean it's pretty pretty neat like as if you're buying a single and like this is the b-side yeah that's a pretty good bonus yeah. but like other than that I, I don't i don't think i would come back to this one yeah it's like um you know sometimes when you translate something from one language to another you sort of lose something that is in the original language and but like the, it might still make sense as a sentence but it won't like sound as pretty or whatever right or like, like that's the like same some thing of the context is missing like someone will say mm-hmm. something like that's a logical thing to say and do but you don't have you don't know that like in the original this guy was also able to imply like the other guy was a dickhead just because that's how the language works <laughs> like yeah 
And so I feel like that's what has happened here is that you've translated it from David Bowie to Oasis and successfully the instruments sound like Oasis and yeah. everything kind of plays straight, but you miss some of the deeper layers that are in the original. Probably. Uh, I mean, it certainly doesn't have the same, like in terms of the, it doesn't have the buildup. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do that. And like descent into madness kind of or fantasy sort of setup yeah. that you kind of get in the original. Um, but it just kind of plays it straight. It's chaos throughout. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's fine for us to move to the next one, which is uh, Peter Gabriel in 2010. Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel, uh, for anyone not familiar, is a classic rock guy. He was he was the I guess front man the like band leader for a while of Genesis, along with uh, two other guys who's um, Phil Collins and third guy whose name escapes me. Um, I think his name is Mike something. Um, and... Yeah, Mike from Mike and the Mechanics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael yeah. Uh, Mechanic Genesis. Um, yeah, <laughs> and he's kind of known nowadays for his like for for wor- world beat he has a lot of music that would fall in the sort mm. of world beat um i guess genre which is super super vague um and so it's kind of like prog rock to more like poppy stuff and then sort of experimenting with music from around the world was his path um a lot of his more popular songs that from that time would include stuff like talking about like apartheid and and issues from around the world and stuff like that, like right. women's rights and things like that. Mm. Um, and that's Peter Gabriel. He also sings yeah. Sledgehammer, which is a pretty dope song. Woo! Sledgehammer <laughs> is his dick. And the Sledgehammer is his dick. I think the tree is also his dick. It's all his dick, bro. <laughs> um, that was a reference to the song Shaking the Tree. Is the monkey a dick too? Damn it! <laughs> Shock the monkey. Are the eyes in in your eyes his dick? In your eyes, which is my dick. (laughs) In your my dick. (laughs) In your my dick. All right. So also he he toured he a couple years ago he toured with Sting and I was like Peter Gabriel and Sting probably not that interesting. Well, I was wrong because my brother went to that concert and apparently was really awesome. Fuck. Because what I didn't know because like we I've seen people together and it's like one goes on intermission the other one goes on whatever but this was like they were playing together and like they would do each other's songs and they would do songs together and sometimes they'd play their own songs apart whatever but like like more artists should do that yeah it was like uh it was a it wasn't a peter gabriel concert and a sting concert it was a sting and peter gabriel concert which i was not expecting and if i had known that i absolutely would have gone and i regret not going yeah I'm so sorry to hear that, my man. That's exciting. Um, so this cover is off of the album Scratch My Back, which is all <laughs> a full cover album by Peter Gabriel. Um, I didn't look at it. I don't know if they're all uh, with, a, with an orchestra behind them, but this is like an orchestral cover with Peter Gabriel singing. Yeah, pretty sparse, though, for mm-hmm. like orchestra. Like you get the strings in, but like 
it's almost like uh what's that song i'm gonna find a song real quick if you okay I'm if you have anything it. else to say um yeah so it's uh i mean i guess i'll just get into it well i can actually say this it's actually featured in stranger things 3 um, which made me hate it at first, because I was like, "Die, ah, fucking these these over dramatic fucking songs that they make for a goddamn Netflix series to to fit the fucking moment." And they like, got Peter, Peter Gabriel. Gabriel? You, what? Yeah, you fucking hack. Like, <laughs> go home. And then I like the like, googled it because I was like, "Is it just off the Stranger Things album?" It was like, "No, it was out in 2010." I'm like, "Okay, I can like this again." <laughs> oh, good. Um, I bring this up every once in a while. The Crooked Fingers version of Under Pressure. Has that kind of mm, like yes. background pedal thing? I've been like, mm-hmm. this kind of has that feeling too, with the like yeah, it higher strings. Sounds like a, uh, yeah, and at the start, it almost sounds just like you know when you uh, like an orchestra tuning. Oh yeah, we're just like everyone's making noise. Mm-hmm. And like yeah, a, it really like is a lower version of that, and it starts very slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also the single version. I should mention. Uh, right. It comes in on the dolphin line. Um, and it, yeah, it feels there's like some slow build Peter Gabriel songs that I have heard in the past. And this is very much like those. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we get to yeah. about like the peak in this song where things break at the two minute and 41 second mark. Right. And that was when he like starts to sing. Yeah. Up. That's where he goes to I remember. And it, it at the and at this point that like all of these stringed instruments come in and have just built up slowly to this peak, and he goes ah, and you're like oh. <laughs> Peter Gabriel, um, Peter Gabriel. So yeah, it's like big, long, sustained notes on these strings at the beginning. They're barely fucking moving. Yeah, it's, they've hmm. got a. And then, like, slowly adding more, but then there'll be, like, there's, like, some, like, low bass that, like, mm, mm, like, mm-hmm. that come in sometimes. Um, and you really get the, like, directional change on the, like, bow. Yeah. Because you can really hear it, like, because they, like, all kind of change at the same time, which I guess would be normal. But it's because it's so slow, you can kind of, like, feel that of like that that split second of like stopping like no sound and then starts in the other direction kind of as yeah. it like slows down and then speeds up the other way yeah because this is like a somehow it, it is like the sound is quite full like an orchestra but the actual like what they're playing is quite sparse yeah it, it yeah it has that feeling um and he sings very softly at the start yeah very low very tender very soft so it kind of seems to go more in the like direction of the like love, which it is very much. But like this focuses on that, I think, because it it feels mm-hmm. very like intimate. Yes. And then you start to get the like, like, like strings playing faster. Yeah. And that's like about like two minutes in, it start like it starts to creep in. Yeah, and that like very gradually builds up and builds up. Um. And then, of course, as you mentioned, so, yeah, like it gets very high on the strings. Yeah, it's sort of you get this swell, in. and then lots of stuff comes in, and then he does. Uh, I can remember, you know, Standing. yeah, like like singing like people do. Mm-hmm. And you can tell you can tell it's a bit of an older Peter Gabriel. Like you know, it's 2010s and not like 
seventies, eighties Peter Gabriel. Right. Right. He's he's still Peter Gabriel, but like Yeah. He's not Peter Gabriel. So he's got some years on him. And I don't know. I always feel like that adds some kind of quality to a singer. Yeah, it adds not a like quality. it's better or worse, but it is a quality. Yeah, I think I've definitely felt like there's always when you have a change, there's this feeling of loss. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's different and it's easy to say it's lesser, but it's not necessarily. Mm-hmm. That's a, I, I've definitely been um, guilty of thinking like, oh, you know, they're not like they used to be. Oh, yeah. They're like they're over the hill. They yeah. have their good days. Like, but fuck them. Although but. this is he's still singing very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. In, in this one. This ability... isn't like some of those ones where I'm like, they, they just don't have it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it does sound a little bit more. Shall we say experienced? Yeah. It just, just sounds like an older Peter Gabriel, and I think that is, I think it's cool. I think it sounds good. And he goes low again around the 325 mark. He goes to a, the, the quiet voice again. Yeah, he doesn't even sing that high for that long, and it kind of, like, retreats back mm-hmm. to the, like, low. And then it goes down to, I think it's just, like, one violin near the end, and it's just like... Yeah, it sort of, like, crescendos in, decrescendos out. Yeah, it's just like climbing a mountain. This one, you get to the top, and then you fucking go back down. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's really it. That's kind of his like structure, and he does it. Yeah, pulls it off pretty well. Um, he also the way he ends it, he just says, "We can be heroes just for one day," and like that, then it's over. Although I think a lot of the single versions do. I think that's how the single goes. I forget. Yeah, that must be because then like they don't have the like the outro section. Mm-hmm. Where with um, nothing will help us. No, we're nothing. Yeah. Oh, did I forget to watch this? No. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. It's very Peter yeah. Gabriel version. Very Peter Gabriel version. Um, and I, I we do see, tend to find that with the the bigger name musicians. Is yeah, that it's like they they, they uh, made it their own. Like, yeah, they know their how mark to do on that. it. Yeah, been working at it for decades. <laughs> hmm. So so that's why I guess the next one is interesting because it's King Crimson in 2016. Yes, it is. We can be All right, so this is King Crimson, a progressive rock band that's been around since like the late 60s, um, mm-hmm. always led, I believe always led, by Robert yes. Fripp. Um, and it, I, as far as I could tell, based on their Wikipedia page, the lineup changes for every single album, not necessarily on yeah. purpose, but like they are just constantly going through members until basically now. Um, yeah. They've been touring with... Uh, an eight-member lineup, which they call a double quartet, for uh, right. a, a number of years now. Um, and then there's one other guy who's apparently like was in the band before, and then they fought for a while, and now they're okay. So he's like the ninth member, but he doesn't actually play with them. He's he's just a member for fun. I right. Guess. He's just like he hangs out. So there's technically nine members, but only eight actually play play right and, and one I, th- I think at the time of yeah. this cover 2016 
it was seven members at the time. That's me just kind of guessing, though. Sure, I didn't. I didn't actually put the timelines together. Because the eight-member lineup didn't happen until January of 2017. Mm. Oh, shit, I hit play by accident. That's very loud. Um, Come on, Alex. <laughs> I thought I was a professional. Fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and, of course, Robert Fripp played on the original track, and I'm assuming he's playing guitar here. If that not, he has knowledge well. of how to get the person who is playing to play it the way and it's done pretty um pretty faithfully mm-hmm. yeah and there's one a of video the of them differences. yeah sorry oh is there yeah um yeah one of the biggest differences in this version is the inclusion of horns yes very, they have uh, a saxophone player i think yeah. it's just a saxophone but it's very low yeah it is and it reminds me of another David Bowie song, but I like, can't put my finger can't on it. Can't think of it? Yeah, it kind of does just like... But that's a saxophone sound, but like a low saxophone sound. Yeah. I didn't notice it till like the end, mm. but it's playing throughout. Yeah, it comes in right at the... Pretty much right at the start. Yeah. There's a bit of a music video. It's just them playing it. Um, and it's like very like old school. It's black and white, but it's done, like, old-fashioned, so it looks like it was filmed in, like, the 30s. Oh, okay. Like, it's... Or, like... Like, it looks like those old monster flicks. Like, very, like, dark blacks. Right. And then, like, very, like... Bright, like, the whites are all kind of, like, blend together. Mm-hmm. That kind of look. Um, And they throw in some, like... You know, like... uh. V VCR, VHS, um, like noise, like little crackles. And oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Effects. Like crackles. Uh, you whatever know, the crackle you call and those. Pop crackles. of a VCR. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, not much else in the video. They pop up uh, some of the lyrics uh, on the screen in uh, stylized writing. Um, I believe the singer. I I don't know how to say his name. It's probably like, cause his his both his names start with a J. Mm. Uh, this is at least the current singer. I think he probably sang on this track. Um, but based on the way his last name is spelled, because it has an S-Z-Y-K, I, I am mm. tempted to like call him Yakko. But it might be Jacko. I don't know. It might be Jacko. I don't know. Or Jayco, like the trailer company. Yeah, and I know I've seen that combination of letters, and I'm trying to remember how I've said it before. I think it's just Zick. It could be Yako Yasik. It could be Jacko Jack Jack Yak- Jurassic Yak-sick. Jacko. Uh, so anyway, that's him. He's singing. I don't know exactly. <laughs> Say his name. Um, what else is going on in this song? Oh, this is the one where I noticed uh, those out of phase oscillators again uh, mm, to get yeah. that like kind of sliding in and out effect. Yeah, they play a big role in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, it's pretty faithful. Uh, you can't hear the bass that well. The the drumming on this is a pretty standard 4-4. Yeah. Um, interesting moment I noticed was at about 2.21, where another guitar comes in for a second and just does like a, a brief rundown. Oh, they kind of like... That, sort of, yeah, that very like Robert Fripp kind of high, clean guitar. That's a cool line. <laughs> also, mm-hmm. they have three drummers. Yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> uh, 
Um, wow. So yeah, there's somehow seven dudes playing this right now, and I don't know what everyone's playing, and it doesn't doesn't to me sound like seven dudes worth of sound. Right. I think maybe just because we're so used to this song and it's so like heavily layered and like they're create recreating these layers, but because it's all like kind of put together so well and we're so used to all these sounds happening and uh, mm-hmm. like I mean, the song is credited to David Bowie. Like, it's a David Bowie song. So it's like, well, there's one dude could do this, right? But it actually takes, right, like, yeah. many tracks. Uh, yeah, so the fact that they're able the to reproduce yeah. that with seven people is actually technically very impressive. Yeah, but uh, it does seem like, did you need three drummers for this rhythm? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surely some of the drummers must be able to do other things. I think one dude is just chilling, actually. When you say do other things, you mean like read a book? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> think about his day, read a book. Just like relax for a while. Take a break. He probably just played a solo. Yeah. Get get a bottle of water. Yeah, take it easy, man. You're doing see a good job. See how the job. stagehands are doing. doing a see, great see what's job. going on with tech. <laughs> So yeah, it's uh this is a a pretty faithful recreation. The singer's pretty good. Um yeah, it's it's decent. It's decent similar to the Blondie version in that like it seems like a solid live version but also might not be the most interesting thing on a record. Mhm. Though I like the addition of horns. I think that's cool. Yeah, sax- saxophone. saxophone's always fun, especially when it's very low or like doing something a little bit unusual. Like, oh, yeah. how'd you make the saxophone sound like that? Fuck yeah. With that, let's talk about the only cover I need, M- Motorhead 2017. <laughs> Their name's not the Ace of Spades. That joke doesn't really work. <laughs> I think um, it works. So this is I off think it works. Their, uh, yeah, so they're a heavy metal band. This is off their album. Yeah, they've been around for a Fucking... long time. Technically, they I think they call themselves a rock and roll band. Okay, hold but on. like then you read through it, it's like they didn't like this sound, so they ended up and apparently creating speed metal and thrash metal, according to their Wikipedia page. I'm not super up on metal and metal subgenres at all. Right. Um, but apparently that's their thing. Um, Can you imagine just creating a, a new subgenre of music? <laughs> like twice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I can't, actually. Can Not even close. Uh, this is wild. Like, dude. I don't know. We were just doing whatever. Um, so. Um, this is from. Shit, I just had the name of it. The cover up? A cover up. Undercover. Undercover like, is the name of this album that it's with, off there's of. There's an umlaut over the O in, in cover. Naturally, like in Motorhead. Um, just like in Motorhead. This it's all and covers. So it's actually, uh, yeah. Sorry, you, I don't want to interrupt you. Um, it's uh, so it's like a compilation of covers they've done over the years. Right. So some of them were previously published. Some <laughs> of them are unreleased. This one was actually unreleased, but recorded in 2015, according right. to Wikipedia. It was reco- oh, 2015. It was. Yes, it yeah. was recorded in 2015, and Lemmy died in late 2015. So it was probably pretty soon after recording this. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much had to be. Um, there's a little video for it, which mostly just puts together various live footage. I assume they played this song live a number of times prior to recording. Yeah, that it. wouldn't surprise me. Um, and just like some other live, like 
footage on the road and like here's lemmy in a hat see he often wears a hat like walking often wore a hat yeah walking somewhere actually the be- did you watch the video i watched like half of it the- i like the beginning part because he like spit it's like a a, a fucking uh, thing of the slot machine and he like spins it yeah. a couple times and then it just comes up with like the band members faces <laughs> and he goes, duh, 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 and then like it backs up, and Lemmy's just like in, sitting in front of it. He turns around and like shrugs. <laughs> She's like, Meh. yeah, look at that. <laughs> it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's just so like random and like understated. He's like, Meh. <laughs> just, like I, don't, I don't know what to tell I you find guys. It very funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and the rest is just like a. Like a slideshow, basically. Yeah, so it's like concert footage, pictures of Lemmy and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the actual song. So this is much, much heavier. Yeah. It comes in with the like, you know? Oh, yeah. Waste no time just like getting into it. Uh, and it's it's shortened, but they don't do the like solo or the single version rather because uh, they mm-hmm. come in with the chorus. They don't come in with the dolphin line. Right. Um, hang on, I'm on the wrong song here. Uh, there's a lot of lyrics that are changed in this version. Yeah, like small changes. So instead of we can steal time, he says we can stop time. Yes. And then there's actually like a heavy like Forever. emphasis on that line. He's like, it, we can stop time. Time, 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 time. Yeah. Time. Like it big echo. <laughs> yeah, there's a few. He says like, um, we can beat them. Well, first time he says we can beat them forever and ever. That's just a mm-hmm. kind of rearrange. Um, says you, you are insane, and mm, I, I missed that one. I am the same. Like, uh, what else? We're lovers, and that is the truth. We're That's lovers, right. and We're lovers, we and we are the are proof. The proof. Uh, stuff like that. So it's like small uh, changes that don't like really change it a lot, but give it maybe a little more like Motorhead personality. Yeah, yeah. so know? we got and the guns were all ready to fire, which is similar. We kiss so weak we never could fall. Yeah. And the shame, I this one was difficult. I think he yeah. says was the ignited city. I thought he said divided city. Ah, uh, that makes way more yeah. sense. So like still kind of referencing the same thing. Um mm-hmm. but now it's like past tense, you know? Yeah. So he was around during I mean, this was recorded in 2015, but the band's been around for a long time. So he wasn't yeah. in Germany necessarily. I don't know. Maybe he was um, during the Cold War, but he would have definitely experienced that to some degree. I know um, Lemmy was really into like old German, including like Nazi memorabilia. Mm, that so makes like, sense. even if you look at the artwork of this album, he's wearing like an Iron Cross necklace. Right. So, not a Nazi Iron Cross because it doesn't have a swastika on it, but like that's okay. still German, um, like right. old school German stuff. Um, so maybe he spent some time in Germany during the Cold War. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Um, what else is what else is going on? This they got like a little guitar solo. It's actually a bigger. Yeah, one. maybe not little, but so yeah it's it's, it's, it sounds rinky dink guitar solo a little 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 bitty guitar solo uh it's very like like it's more metal yeah it's motorhead it sounds like motorhead you know maybe it's motorhead maybe it's motorhead um i don't know 
Load ahead. <laughs> it's um like it's got your kind of classic like heavy metal like that guitar rhythm dan 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 yeah more dan, like kind of like, chuggy mm-hmm. you get the like you big get... big fat power chord type type deal in the background yeah we get loud guitar the big drums i think there's more tom action in this than in any other one mm-hmm. it's and then you got you know lemmy's voice and again uh, what i say of him when i said of peter gabriel he sounds a bit older on this than in you know in ace of spades or something true but, but he always kind of sound kind of sounds like this <laughs> like yeah this. like even if if you hear like i don't know i uh, i guess i don't really know later day motorhead versus early motorhead if any motorhead but he, <laughs> he's got this like, kind of weird and it fits with the definitely the first part of the song where he's like kind of got this like weird detached kind of disinterested laid back way of singing mm-hmm. and then he does like get higher in the in the second part but yeah it's definitely like you can hear i don't know you can hear the years yeah but he's also like famous for drinking a lot and that's like, right so I don't know. And like his natural, like his voice that everybody knows is a rough one to begin with. Yes. Like it's very gritty. Absolutely. So I think if anything, like age only like would probably make it easier to hit those notes, like to hit that tone. Yeah. He's definitely got it. It was impressive. Like this is close to the end. And like he, yeah, he was, he was Lemmy through and through. Through so, and through. Way to go, man. Um. Yeah. Not a lot else to say. You know, it's the sort of similar things we see. The guitar does the the main riff, and it's you know it's a little more distorted on this. Um. Mm-hmm. I I thought it sounded good, which uh, I think for being maybe the furthest genre, like out of place from all the other ones, like the biggest step out from the original. It's like it worked. Yeah, almost comparable to like Oasis in terms of just like being very straightforward. Mm-hmm. I mean, like let's let's make it loud and. Sing about something that matters. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, get a kicking guitar solo near the end there and fucking call her a day. Actually, it's in the middle of it. It's not near the end. I lied. <laughs> just, just a little guitar solo right at the end. Just a little guitar solo <laughs> right at the end. Yep. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is our description of the song. Um, That's our final cover. Yeah. We're going to get into our final categories today, which are three categories. The worst version, the best version, and the love songist version. Cause it's, cause it's lover me, baby. It is lover me, baby. Alex, hit me with the worst version of this. What is the worst version of this? You know, a l- I mean, a lot of it was like, oh, basically, all these are all like pretty big names. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't have much frame of reference for Billy Preston, but he's definitely been around for a long time. So maybe in some yeah. circles he would be a bigger deal. I don't know, but it does feel like everyone's just doing their own version of it. But I would say. And I kind of hate to say this. The one that seems, is that true? I don't, this is hard. Because like <laughs> tough, really cause... what it comes down to in this one, I don't think anyone did a bad job. Everyone kind of no. did the same thing. Everyone just did their own version of the song. Um, and I mean, King Crimson's, like he was in the original recording. So his version is of course going to be very close to the original one. You know? Right. So like which one, like I don't think any of them were bad. Um, um, so let's rephrase. I'm having it. trouble what, with which this one. Which one are you least likely to listen to again? Uh, honestly, probably the Blondie version. Not because I disliked it, but because it's longer. 
Yeah, fair enough. Um, it was also like right after probably the least amount. Like, I don't listen to a ton of Blondie, but this one doesn't scream Blondie to me. You know, versus yeah, it's not like signature Blondie. Yeah, it's it's maybe a little Blondie. It's definitely Debbie Harry, but I don't know. Mm. If this is is maybe like the least of their own stamp. And I'm giving King Crimson a bit of a pass because Robert Fripp was on the original recording. Right. So it's kind of hard. I'll give to it to like, Blondie, but like play something different. But I won't claim that it's not good. Yeah, or that I didn't like um, it. I feel like I'm going to give it to Oasis just cuz I feel like they could have done better. And yeah, they, they could have done a little more. They could have done a little more. But it still sounds like Oasis. To me, yeah, anyway. it's just yeah. it just sounds like Oasis. It's it's just some Oasis songs <laughs> are better than others, and they could have done it a better version. <laughs> Honestly, I'm having the same trouble that you're having here. Yeah, that it's none of them are really that bad. And like best version is gonna be the same problem. Is it? What's your? Do you, I I feel for me, um, best version. If we're talking covers, it's probably Peter Gabriel. Actually, like gave me some chills like the first time I listened to it. It's got a good build up. Mm-hmm. It does have a it good play, build it, up. It kind of it kind of plays the whole song on a on a simple trick, which is having a really good build up, mm-hmm. and it does that well. And it's uh you know it 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 strips down despite having an orchestra. It really does strip down from the original. I feel, and so that's a bold move too. And so I thought it played well in that regards. Yeah, <sighs> what was my favorite version? Again, similar thing. Like it's all very close. It's all very close. I'm gonna give it to Billy Preston for probably I don't want to say just because it's different, but it definitely had like a very different feeling, and there are some moments of just like ad libbing and like shouting mm-hmm. that just like gave it some real like oomph. Yeah, and being almost like a dance version, it's yeah. it's almost the least likely to succeed on this show anyway, but. <laughs> It, that like it, I still thought it was very catchy. Like Billy Preston was probably going to be my runner-up. Yeah, and like almost I know there's there's a lot of talk about like heroes having this influence from like from like synthesized music, electronic music, which mm-hmm. to me has always been like a like an underground dance kind of thing, you know. But this song is very yeah. much not dancey, and even though. Billy Preston's version isn't like an EDM track or anything. It definitely brings that dance into it. Yeah. <laughs> There's my slightly tenuous connections. Uh, I'll allow justification. it. Justification. Um, Alex, which one of this is the love songist? The love songist? Yeah. I think I, I got to give it to Peter Gabriel for this one. For kind of the reasons you said. Like, it's really got that build. It's got that, like, intimacy at the start. And it kind of goes back into it. Like, it's got the crescendo, decrescendo. And, I mean, strings. Yeah, it's hard to fight those in terms of, like, building a a love song. There's something about strings that sound, like, like this, like, longing. Especially, like, when when they're, like, these really long notes they play. This is, I don't know. They're physically long, and I'm not just saying this as a pun between the word longing and the concept, uh, yeah, <laughs> the concept of like a long note. But like, there's really like this kind of like wail of like, oh, like I don't know. Yeah, no, I I Something I, about I, I it. follow that logic. Um, yeah, if I have to pick covers, I'd say it's the Peter Gabriel version. If if we could include the original, I still feel like the original has a certain charm to it. But oh, I'm a big David Bowie fan, yeah, boy, so yeah, I was excluding the original. 
from all categories, but the original has definitely got like this desperation and this this sense about it of just like shouting into nothingness and everything is nothing but everything is now and yeah oh man yeah it's it's <laughs> this combination of desperation and hope and like intimacy in this cold like world and yeah it's fucking awesome yeah i mean that's why we're talking about it that's why we're talking so, about yeah it. that's that's our three categories that's been our final review if you have a same opinion, different opinion, want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at JakeTheCressy, at some Alex Wise guy, Or you can email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Um, be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app, probably. Probably. Um, tell your friends about us. We don't have an advertising budget. And I, I guess India's getting a little bit tired of uh, Linkin Park Numb. Oh, no. Yeah, our listens have gone down a bit recently. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> oh, Chat, tell your friends. And uh, now it's time for our bonus segment in which I uh, ask Alex a question that uh, is this question. And the question is, Alex, what the Berlin trilogy ranked from number one to number three? Go. Oh, I, this is tough. And I will tell you why this is tough. Because I have like in my head a list of like the the like separation of the concept of like a good album versus an album I like. So mm. for me, as much as I love the whole thing, I yes. think my favorite is Logic. Mm. And uh then the other two are very close. <sighs> right now, I'm going to say Lodger Low Heroes, one, two, three. Okay. But that changes. That is yeah, not that for... that that's constantly shifting. Only because like songs like Breaking Glass and uh like on low, just some of the indivi- more of the individual tracks on low stand out to me. Right. Um, Boy, and I go fucking nuts for the instrumental half of low. Yeah. There's some good shit there too. I lo- love listening to a new career in a new town. And there's some like yeah. weird like ambient stuff. Both of them have some ambient stuff. And I think I prefer the ambient stuff on Heroes a bit. I think. Mm. At least in my brain. That's that's what my brain is telling me right now. But I I don't know. Just like the more like poppy stuff on Low stands out to me. Mm -hmm. But I just, I love them all, man. But that's my order that I'm going to say right now. Lodger, Low, Heroes. Um, And I hate to put Heroes in last place. Um, But it doesn't mean I don't love them. Yeah, I mean, what like, as you? a disclaimer, all these albums yeah. are phenomenal. I think I've spent the least amount of time with Lodger, and so that's why that one falls to Lodger's the bottom Lodger's the only one I me. own on vinyl. Mm, I, I don't have any that. of them on vinyl. Actually, I have Heroes on vinyl. Yeah. I got a cheap, cheap Heroes vinyl. Um, that said, it's, yeah, doing Low, and the difference between Low and Heroes for me is very difficult. I think I often go back to Low more than I do Heroes. Right. And I think for similar reasons to you is you get first I get sucked in by the the poppy tracks that open it up, Breaking Glass, fucking uh, Sound and Vision. Oh, I love Sound and Vision. Um, uh, crashing in the same car is that the name of it? Always crashing in the same car. Always crashing in the same car. Oh, just about had it. But yeah, love that one. Yeah. And yeah, so it, it's this this great solid pop like side A that. <laughs> then you it twists into this weird like instrumental 
that that starts oh, out quite bright and cheery. Oh, oh, yeah, to where you like, get like bizarre, weird, like, like vocalization chants. Like, yeah. Oh, well, like I don't even know. What he said. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't even to, think they're to words. the point where he, he yeah, he, I, uh, on the, I think it's the final track, Subterraneans. He just says like words that like don't actually sounds? make sense together. He's like, see bright fading star. And then he says the, the phrase care line. Not Caroline, like a name. Oh. The words care, care and line. Caroline, mm. Caroline, driving deep, slowly, slowly home. Yeah. And like, I've fucking cried to that. And there's like no, no reason <laughs> no for re- it. He's yeah. not saying anything. It's weird. Like, <laughs> Some weird stuff, but, but it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, I find that low is a, 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 a like. And sometimes I'm when I when I in, in in the deep hours of the night where I'm like, what is my favorite Bowie album? Low tends to come into my head a lot. Yeah, and like I know, like for me with Lodger, I don't. I get these songs stuck in my head all the time, and like I feel like it's it's a lot of the stuff from the previous two, but it's more like direct. It like it's more close to like his previous albums in terms of like there's no instrumental tracks on it it's more straightforward pop but like using kind of what he learned from the last two and turning it into more a more accessible thing from start to finish Mm, yeah and like my thing is is uh, it really is just because i'm looking at the lodger listing now and it's just the fact that i don't have a physical like cd copy of it which isn't a problem now that i've got a thing in my car to just play my phone yeah but Back when I was like heavily collecting David Bowie stuff, it was I had a digital copy of this and I had physical copies of just about everything else, so this one didn't get as much playtime. Mm. That'll do it. That'll do yeah. it. And then Heroes is naturally my number two. It's because it's fucking Heroes. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> By process of elimination. Yeah. So that's been our uh, our Berlin trilogy ranking. Hit us up with yours on Twitter. Hashtag Berlin trilogy ranking. Bertrilogy. No, does that sound right? Uh, that that almost yeah. Hashtag Bertrilogy. Mix the words together. It's trendy. It's what the kids are doing. That's what the kids. Or at are least it's what doing. the kids were doing. Hmm. That's yeah. I don't know what the kids are doing anymore. Whippets in the parking lot. Whippets probably. in the par- No, they don't always do that. Uh, they're all right. Um, that is our episode today, and as we always say on Cover Me, I, I'll be your host, and you, you'll be my co-host. <laughs> the, 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 nothing will uh, drive people to listen to us. We can beat them, just for one day. We can be Cover Me, just for one day. This has been Lover Me. <laughs>